Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of the Landlord Page Podcast. I'm delighted that on this episode, we're joined with a man who's got double decades of property experience, 20 years in the game, same as me. He's just started his own property business in his hometown with Tadley and Thatcham. I've always strived to want to do my own thing in agency um, and the avocado model definitely has made that, you know, a nice sort of easy path for me to, to kind of do it by myself. And I just feel that so for so many years I've had to be defending the, the, the rules and regulations of a company that I personally didn't agree with, mm. um, which obviously, as you can understand, is very hard. And he's also worked for corporates, he's worked for independents, so we're also going to get a lay of the land on what it's like working for an estate agency when you're dealing with landlords, property management and everything investing as well. Holly Hawkins, how are we doing? Yeah, very good, mate. Thank you. Very good. Thanks for having me on. Very welcome. Looking forward to picking your brains on a few things. Sure. Andy, you've obviously got your background of working with landlords, property management, and I guess estate agency in general. Yeah. Kind of what questions would you have for Ollie? You know, you've worked the London market, Ollie's worked the home counties market mainly, but what are the biggest problems at the moment in property management that landlords are facing? So I think the biggest issues at the moment is is not getting the correct advice from from people. Um, And landlords trying to steer away from having an agency look after their property and then try and do it themselves. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I've had discussions with landlords about what they what they need to do in order to be compliant with their mm-hmm. property. Some of the responses I, I get, I'm, I'm devastated yeah. because it's just, you're, you're going to lose. You're absolutely, absolutely going to lose. So yeah, that, those sort of things about is, is, getting the right advice and actually using an agent that can look after your property yeah. um, and ensure that everything is compliant and, and done correctly. Now, yeah. with a man that's been in lettings for for, for a while, um, you know, you must have, have dealt with the same sort of pain points that, oh, that absolutely. I'm sort of talking about. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, to, to go to your point about landlords and getting the right advice. Um, I've seen it so many times where, where landlords have, have I've been out to an appointment, I've discussed the basics such as your EPCs, EICRs, gas, and all mm. that, that really basic stuff. And the amount of times that, that the landlord tells me, oh, the other agent didn't mention that. And then sort of t- talk to them a little bit further about it. And it turns out that although the company is ALA qualified because mm. a director within the firm is ALA qualified, the actual individual going out to their property has never sat the test, has never gone through any of that. Yeah. So really doesn't have the the, the, the the base understanding of all of the aspects of rentals that, that those landlords need to be really informed of. Mm. Um, so that's where I think, you know, making sure that you're, you're sort of picking and dealing with the right people in the first place, make sure there are the registers because if they're not, you know, whether the company is or the individual is, mm. you've got to be really careful that, that they're giving you the right advice. It's an interesting point because I find the way that conveyance in is these days is very often that you've got a fee earner, you've got a qualified, yeah. Yeah. you know, legal solicitor at the top who then has a team and all that, that fee earner does is just signs documents off. So yeah. they almost kind of, they can stamp it because the fee earner at the top of the chain is the person that's handling it. It's the same in what you said there in terms of our qualification. You've got, yeah. you know, you've got a lot of estate agents where the owner or one of the directors is ALA qualified, but, the amount of churn and burn you get in a state agency from a staff point yeah. of view means that the landlord is never actually dealing with a touch point with someone who is ALA qualified yeah. quite often. In the same way with conveyancing, you just deal with the panel, you just deal with the administrators and yeah. no disrespect to them, but they haven't sat six years in a university learning the art of law and conveyancing if, yeah. if, that's, the, yeah. if that's the time on it. So 
it is a frustration. I, I totally get your point that as agents, we always want landlords to work with agents to be managed because yeah. we kind of almost say, well, that's the secure way of doing it. But some estate agents are so bad that you can see why landlords would just say, look, sod it, I'll do it myself. Yeah, absolutely, you? yeah. And I think that's 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 the thing that you hear a lot more of now is that, you know, I, I can do a better job myself than dealing with 10 or 11 different people yeah. that probably have never seen my property. Yeah. Oh, easily. And that's, that's a, a massive problem that I had in the corporate world was, you know, yeah. the amount of times you get a landlord call you up and go, Ollie, you were amazing. You know, your team finding the property, uh, sort of finding the tenants for my property, getting it all pushed through. And then as soon as it's left your department and gone to the other departments along the way that I've had to deal with, things have absolutely broken down. So a lot mm. of my clients would circle back to me all the time and I'd have to go and sort of like put out fires, you know, because the the, the, the departmentalization and, and frankly, these people in these, these back office departments, they're not you know they're not front facing they never have to look these people in the white of the eyes yeah mm -hmm. so they just don't really care anywhere as near as much as we do because you know I, you know I, I felt accountable to these people because i'm the one who's been out you know they've they've instructed me as, as their agent um and yeah. as soon as it goes to these back office departments it just things really do generally tend to to, to, to you know they degrade quite quickly yeah and i think that that you know brings on to the fact that you've that's the way that the the corporate and the traditional estate agency works and probably yeah. the reasons why me and you join someone like Avocado so oh, we absolutely. can have that relationship directly with clients yeah. because we were doing it anyway yeah. in a, well, well, a corporate, yeah. corporate setup. No, yeah, it makes no difference for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's break it down then. So if we, the, the biggest issue in agency, whether it's sales or lettings, is communication. It, yeah. always, it has been since we've been in the industry, you know, double decades. and. Yeah. And unless something drastically changes, and hopefully it will, it will continue. But if you're a landlord, you know, you've just bought your first buy to let, for example, mm -hmm. and you're like, right, I now need to put it with, and we won't name names of where you were before, but if we use where you were previously as an example, as yeah. an estate agent, the first point of call is probably they're going to they're gonna go on the website, they're going to fill out, you know, I'd like to get my property mm. valued and managed as an example. Yeah. From that point, how many different touch points of people will deal with their property or their tenant, whether they're talking directly or whether they're communicating it? So the mm -hmm. first point of call, is that going to be you or is that going to be a central office? So yeah, it was so initially it was a central office who would sort of, you know, compile all of the sort of valuation leads and then distribute them to the relevant branches, but they'd be the ones that would call them, would book them in. So from that first phone call wasn't me. They so are qualified? No. It's a call centre. Call centre, absolutely, yeah. So it goes to the call centre. Call centre speaks to them, books it in. Then I go, um, obviously, I'm ILA qualified. So, you know, I'm the sort of first touch point of any sort of serious, seriously qualified letting agent. Mm -hmm. um, and then at the point that the, the properties come onto the market, obviously, myself and my then team would then obviously work to book in the viewings, obviously get the viewings conducted. Um, yeah, yeah. An administrator would probably deal with yeah, getting, once, getting the right-up the done. Yeah, once the tenant's found, um, it goes to an administration department. Um, uh, you know, we had a specific prop, um, sort of you know, manager in that in that regard who managed the, the file. Um, but you could never guarantee who that was. And, and again, the quality within that department what you know varied wildly. Um, so at the point that the tenant is then moved into the property, if they're on a managed service, they obviously can go to their property manager. And again, being a large corporate setup with basically a bigger revolving, revolving door at the front of the mm. office, lots of different people, lots of changes in property management. Um, when property managers had left, you know, we then got landlords calling going, oh, um, so-and-so's left, um, who am I dealing with now? And I look on the system and, oh, another person is dealing with your file, but oh, they've not been in touch to introduce themselves. 
brilliant okay well let me get that person to contact you you know yeah, and then yeah. then at the point of say renewals there's then a department that deals with the renewals there's obviously then an accounts department so if there's any accounting questions they go to accounts or, or maybe be referred back to the branch so so along that journey you've got i just counted nine yeah there we go yeah <laughs> I, nine nine as you were going yeah which is, is baffling isn't it but mm. you can then see when you look at it from an outside point of view and we're not looking at it in, a, in an agency point of view or we're looking at landlords or tenants or anything yeah there's nine touch points on you know one of the biggest you know letting agents in in the country there and that that is just a recipe for a communication problem oh, you, you ever played yeah, the chinese whispers when you yeah. were a kid yeah. you know in assembly where you just <laughs> yellow yeah. bananas and by the end of it it's like the green goblin sucks pump pump pumpkins yeah, or something bit, like yeah, that yeah, it's yeah. like what what's happened here that's what's going yeah. on isn't it yeah, yeah, so yeah, I, I i can see from a landlord's point of view why they may go do you know what i yeah. can do a better job myself the problem we've got with that is if you do go and be an independent landlord and you deal with it yourself yeah it's a full-time job oh it's risky yeah. as hell yeah, yeah it's yeah. very risky yeah. you, there's a lot of things you've got to do from a compliance point of view mm -hmm. you're really setting yourself up for the risk factor of a lawsuit from a tenant because yeah. it does fall in the favor of the tenant yeah you know that's the fact when it comes to any distribute or you know tribunal element of yeah. things yeah. or you know if, even if you're just you know like there's a property that we listed together and um, when I was going up the stairs, I noticed that there was some gloss down the, the sides of all, each step where someone had painted the glossing of the woodwork, yeah. but on every step, they'd got <laughs> gloss on the carpet. Gloss ain't coming off that carpet. No, no, it's no, not no, yeah, yeah, not on that now. color anyway. Yeah. So I spoke to the landlord and the landlord said, yeah, yeah, the, the tenant, you know, did that. But don't worry, it's going to come out of his deposit. It's not always as simple as that. No, no, definitely not. But in, in that that scenario it feels like it should be that simple mm -hmm. tenant made an error they painted the carpet don't know why they painted the carpet but you know as a result it yeah. should come off the deposit but i think you know, year, yeah. years ago i remember years ago it used to be that you get a gas safety certificate yeah get the money get the tenancy agreement signed move them in yeah and then and then and that, that was, was it. it yeah and now we're dealing with what over 170 pieces of legislation in the lettings industry so yeah. trying to do that yourself one little hiccup oh massively and you're and you're done for and, you, and you're, you're screwed and let's not forget tenants are becoming more clued up oh hugely. nowadays you yeah. see all of this media stuff going out to tenants and tenants like oh let me just let me just check that yep yeah and then realize that oh my deposit hasn't been registered within 30 days i never received any documents so i can claim up to three times the amount of deposit yeah and they'll just sit on that and then yeah, bring their tenancy to an end or whatever and then smash in a claim. So it's yeah. it's yeah, it's yeah. it's crazy. Gone are the days of where, you know, you could just rent a property and and deal with it here and there. You have yeah. to constantly look at it. And if you work full time, we've got any other commitments in your life crazy. to have, you know, even one rental's hard enough. You know, if you start then sort of compounding and adding more to that number, yeah. um, you need you need a qualified agent looking after it all. Yeah. Because, you know, if you were, you know, a millionaire who was investing in the stock market, chances are you're going to be getting like a you know, like a fund manager or someone like that to actually deal with it for you. Because yeah. they know what they're doing. They're going to be the better yeah. people to deal with your money in very much the same way that we are as, as qualified letting agents to deal with, with the rental property. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a lot of people might see us as, as money for old wrote but with how the the legislation is these days you know you'd be uh, you've uh, 
very silly, should we say, to try and go it alone if you've got absolutely none to little or to, or to very little experience in, in yeah. the field. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot at the moment. What I've seen recently myself is a lot of landlords not being compliant with um, the right to rent checks mm. because obviously, as they, you know, not a lot of them understand that, you know, if their tenants are on an, on an overseas passport and a visa, you know, there are follow-up checks that they may have to do yeah. depending on their visa status. All they think is, oh, let's just stick it you know, stick it in file and, and that'll be it, you know, mm. so that's obviously problems with, with, with the government you're going to be creating for yourself. And a, another thing I've seen a lot of at the moment is landlords unknowingly walking into the, the realms of HMO, yeah. not a licensed HMO, but an unlicensed HMO, which is two or more people, sorry, three or more people forming two or more households. So they think, oh, we've got a couple and their best mate want to move in. Oh, that should be okay. I'm not renting out every room in my house, but actually by that they're, they're sort of accidentally falling within that that realm, mm. which again, if the, the local authority catches winds, you know there can be considerable fines and things for for yeah. you know not actually apl applying the, the necessary um, uh, you know sort of criteria to the property to, to actually get it compliant for that type of rental. Yeah, and I think with you know just going on to that unlicensed HMO thing, I don't think there's enough information that's gone out about it, and for stuff like that information doesn't get sent out about it it's, it's not constant no. information yeah. that's getting fed that's why people are being caught out about it so when i was in london i used to run like a licensing mm -hmm. team the amount of landlords that did not have a clue what are you talking about I don't need it i don't need a license or it doesn't meet that criteria yes it does yeah and then you used to explain to them they were like oh God, didn't even yeah, and and, even and, know and the other thing as well is that the local authority, you know, there's obviously the main sort of stipulation set by the government, but the local authority had the right to change that to, to their own will. Yeah. So you know, so in some cases, some local authorities nearby, is if you've got two two or more people, so if you know if you rent to sharers, then that's a problem. Mm. You know, even if it's two friends, two colleagues, etc., that can then become a problem for you if they're not a household, i.e., a couple or a family, etc. Yeah, so exactly. do, do we think that's why tenant uh, landlords that are selling? is massively outstripping landlords buying at the moment because it's just become just become a bit of a mess it's just yeah. become a bit difficult uh, yeah i think so um you know i think as you know as we've just alluded to there's just not enough information out there generally for landlords um you know a lot that i talk to uh, have very little to no idea you know many of them at the moment aren't your sort of buy to let type landlords they might be your accidentals so. or you know the, those kinds of ones um so again you know sometimes you can sort of see the look in their face as you're sort of talking through just the main points you yeah. know that you need to talk to them about and they're thinking by me this sounds a bit difficult or um you know or is this is this actually going to be for me yeah. um but um but again you know 99.9 percent .9 of the time you know again they instruct us we, we we push it all through properly. They're protected. We're protected. Tenants are looked after properly. Yeah. Things just go really nicely. And I think once people, you know, kind of dip their toe and start getting used to what it's like and having that support of an agent um, that knows what they're talking about, then uh... when I when I talk to new property investors, new landlords, more often than not, the first question they've got when they're looking at a property is, "Will it let?" Mm. Will I find a tenant? Mm. That's their number one kind of concern, isn't it? Yeah. Is the fear of buying a buy to let and it being vacant. Yeah. And they, they just think of their mortgage payment and yeah. they think of lack of rent and they think it's going to cost me money. It's, it's an asset which is going to cost me money. It becomes a liability at that stage. Yeah. And that's the kind of classic still fear factor that people have. But in reality, finding the tenants like that's the, the easiest, easiest part, bit. <laughs> yeah. So, so when a landlord then goes, do you know what? I'm, I think I'm just going to find myself a tenant on open rent or something yeah. like that. You kind of put your head in your hands because you think, well, 
yeah, but you could just find a tenant on Instagram. You yeah. can find a tenant on yeah. TikTok if you want. You yeah. find a tenant on Facebook groups. That's not the problem, finding mm. the tenant. Finding the tenant and then finding the right tenant is yeah. like step one for us. Is we yeah. can find a tenant for any property. That's not a problem. Of course. Finding the right tenant from the viewing and just doing a little bit of common sense due diligence. Yeah. You know, if you're doing a viewing um, with 10 tenants or you're doing a viewing with eight tenants or so am I, we're going to get a gut feel of who yeah. we would feel yeah. comfortable with moving into one of our own properties and we're going to treat the landlord in the same way. Definitely. Whereas when you've got nine different touch points in a corporate style of letting agency or mm -hmm. property management, it's very difficult to have that continuity of you know the initial conversation you've had with the landlord so finding the tenants the easy part doing the due diligence on the tenant making sure the legislation is right making sure the contract stacks up um all of these little things you know i remember the a couple of years ago even 10 12 years ago where all of a sudden wh smith started selling tenancy agreements and landlords yeah, I remember like, that. i'm just <laughs> buying them for 15 <laughs> quid wh smith so i was like what yeah, um, yeah but you know that's how rogue it can actually be but it doesn't mean it's the right way to do it you know so and then you look at the actual property management aspect of it and you know i sit in the avocado hq and hear some of the conversations now between you mike and pooja yeah. talking about you know some some serious stuff that's getting flagged up but it's being looked after on behalf of of mm -hmm. the landlord and it's being compliant and it's not it's not a huge chain of command of you know different accountants doing this yeah. that, and the other so that bit of bespoke nurturing for a landlord would probably give a lot of security out there and hopefully there's more of that that unfolds for people mm. so ringing it round to you know where you're at now ollie yeah you're launching your business in, in tadley thatcham yeah um you just felt the time is right now to kind of go i want to i want to get on company's house yeah. i want my own bank account i spoke to someone yesterday that's thinking of doing the same thing and they said you know what i don't want to argue my agreed bonus at the end of each year that's mm -hmm. in black and white that i hit that for some reason i'm having to debate it at mm, the end of yeah. the year <laughs> i want my money to be my money yeah um and also i think from a client point of view if you've been in the job for 20 years you've probably got a nice set of clients that you look at and think these are my clients regardless of who's above the door yeah so why don't i put my own name above the door is that kind of what your feelings was around i mean absolutely i mean you know it's uh, i've always strived to want to do my own thing in agency um and the avocado model definitely has made that you know a nice sort of easy path for me to, to kind of do it by myself and i just feel that so for so many years i've had to be defending the, the the rules and regulations of a company that i personally didn't agree with mm. um which obviously as you can understand is very hard where um you know in essence the way that you know my pay is structured is based on the the the, the company sales targets so to speak so mm. you know um again a lot of my advice has always been the right and correct advice it's just always the way that i've always wanted to act and i think i would always treat people as i'd want to be treated um but you know the the sales targets and and things like that would always kind of you know generally get in the way for a lot of other people in the team especially the younger negotiators because at the end of the day if there's a complaint that's to be made they're not the ones that are dealing with it it's the one who's running the branch that's mm. having to look after it um and you know having to sort of manage that as well as deal with you know clients in a way i didn't really want to deal with them i mm. wanted to, i think I, I i know i can do it better mm. um so i think that's now why 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 i'm here and we're, we're having this conversation basically culture is such a massive thing in this day and age i think mm. you know the culture of what's around you you know that a lot of people say you're the average of the five closest people around you and i think that's that has an impact but when you look at it professionally you know who are the five people around you professionally and what is that mm. culture and when you're in those offices and you've got 
you know, those five people, your team, and it's churning and burning all the time. And, yeah. you know, maybe your area is changing from time to time, or they've got their own KPIs to hit. It becomes really difficult for the client to really get that continuity, yeah. I think. And having the ability to kind of, yeah, work your own clients from start to finish, I'm sure will make mm -hmm. a big difference. What's the Tadley Thatcher market like? What's um, yeah, what's it like for property investors? Yeah, it's actually really not bad. Um, we you know we've got obviously the, a huge employer just down on our doorstep, the AWE, the Atomics Weapons Establishment. They bring in a that huge. That sounds scary as shit. I mean, yeah, yeah, I we, we, to, be, to be fair, we all glow in the dark. But that's just down the road, which is I mean that's been there since I think the fifties, sixties, and it brings in a huge amount of contractors. So from a from a rental perspective, you know, there's there's always the need for rental property in Tadley. Um, nearby sort of Aldermaston, Thatcham, you know, Thatcham's obviously got Vodafone as well, again, another huge employer. So, you know, we're, we're, you know, sort of M3, M4 corridor, I mean, literally takes me about 15 minutes either way from Tadley to get to either of those motorways. So it's, it's really nicely sort of located. And there's a lot of investment going into Tadley at the moment. You know, we've had um, Lidl uh, just open up a new supermarket there, and they wouldn't have put a supermarket there if, if, if it was going to be the wrong idea for them, you know, so there's, there's an infrastructure investment, you know, the, the planning um, applications are really high in the local area area as well um so we're obviously seeing a lot of movement with house building and um you know and, and a lot of the reason why myself and my family moved to tadley in the first place was you know versus like a market like reading which is basically done to death and is is considerably more expensive to to buy um you know a lot of us and our sort of friends have moved out to the tadley area because it's a really nice good area good schools you know 15 minute walk from from my front door in either direction i'm basically in the countryside so it's great for kids going out walks taking the dog out mm. um you know we're, we're sort of 15 minutes from basingstoke reading and newbury so again although you've got the sort of amenities of a small town literally within a with a stone's throw you've got everything else you need on your doorstep so um and a lot of people are buying into that area because i think there's a lot of you know the, the sort of people if lockdowns taught us anything that you know where you live is is important to the sense of the amenities around you and i mm. think you know if you're stuck in some parts of reading which are very overpopulated you know they're, they're, they're you know aesthetically degrading and have over the years you know that tadley is very much the opposite it's super green um you know and uh, lots going on and there's quite an older you know a lot of older people live in tadley as well because again they originally would have had their houses through the awe and when they were sort of council mm. houses mm. in inverted commas um and you know they keep their properties immaculately, so you can drive down most roads in in, in Tadley, and, and actually it just it all has a really nice feel about it, you know. Yeah, I think once you once you see developers going into an area, mm. and you see Lidl's going into an area, see the corporate, you know, uh, companies going in. Yeah, something's happening. Yeah, in that in that area, they're not stupid. They're doing it for a reason because yeah. it's an upcoming area. So it's an area that's it's going to be the place to be. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, if you've got all of that going on. Yeah, it's, I mean it's, it's it's an area. The data that you can get now is scary. You know, we we work with a with a company that can effectively predict people that are most likely to move home, and the way that they do that is because everyone's credit file is now so accessible. Mm -hmm. They're able to see the people that have had a pay rise, um, that have just had a child registered. They've um, got maybe 12 months left on some car finance, uh, they're able to see the cash flow difference that they've got between their outgoings and their incoming and go, that person's most likely to move because they've got a big void between what they're spending. So they're saving cash, you know, yeah. they've got good savings, yeah. for example. And when you look at the places like Lidl, you know, or cinemas or these complexes, they do that research and they'll look at somewhere like Tadley Lidl and they will say, right, there's money in that 
you know, yeah. economy yeah. there because we can see it because we've got all the credit checks all done there. Mad, isn't it? And as a result, they're going to spend multi-million pounds of money buying the plot or, you know, yeah. renting yeah. the plot, building the premises, you know, putting the staff in there, doing the stock, and they'll know it will work yeah. because mm. they're able to see the touch points, which you couldn't have done 25 years ago, but you can now. So you always know, and we've, we've spoken about it a lot over the last sort of two years of doing this podcast, is if if the counts are investing and the big boys are investing, yeah. you know, the Lidl's and the cinema complexes and, you know, Waitrose and things like that, if they're putting money in and then you see the developers getting big planning and hoarding yeah. going up, they're doing it for a reason. Yeah. yeah. So if you are a small investor, follow the giants. Yeah. Because they're not doing it in a lot of the big towns anymore. They're doing it in these 15 minute, 20 minute radius locations where yeah. they go, right, good school, good affluent area, good connector routes. You know, house prices have gone up well over the last 10 years. There's a lot of money in the economy. Let's let's, you know, yeah. put our finger in 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 the water there, basically. So 100%. that seems like a good a good spot to go and invest. What's a classic kind of two bed terrace look like in, in Tadley from a price point of view? Something in the region of about sort of 250 to 300, depending on mid end, semi yeah. garage, etc. Um, But yeah, you're, I mean, you've got sort of the smaller three beds are knocking around sort of early 300 at the moment. So yeah, those, those sort of decent two bedders are, are you know, going to be around the sort of yeah, two, 270, so 280. Yeah. Three bed, 325, what's that going to rent for? So the smaller three beds, you sort of do more terrace in the area about, yeah, 325, 350, again, subject to condition extensions, yeah. et cetera. But um, yeah, I mean, something like that in that area is going to rent for good sort of 13, 1400, um, you know, sort of the, more, the smaller ends. But there is, you know, Tadley is generally the home of the three bed semi. You know, there's a lot of the, the ex-local authority, which is exactly what I live in. Mm. Um, and those sort of larger plots, um, the sort of slightly larger three beds would generally get around the sort of 1600 mark. Um, and, you know, if you were to buy my house off me today, you're going to be looking sort of circa 400. Um, is, that so. an, is that an estate agency owner valuation? Or oh, no, no, that's, <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. That's actually quite conservative. If I was listening, I'd probably put it on for about 425. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the sort of give or take, really. So so again, you know, yield-wise, I mean, you know, it's 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 definitely not unattractive. Um, and, so. and likely to have equity growth. As oh, well. hugely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm an investor. Mm-hmm. Looking to buy in Tadley. Yeah. Where am I putting my money? What's going to get me the the best? Um, I would say, for me, it's being closer to the primary schools um, because there are some really good primary schools. A lot of these secondary schools are outside of Tadley. So a lot of the kids actually have to get buses to the the secondary schools, depending on exactly where you are. So um, so to stay near the primary schools, it's a family market. So you're going to be looking at, say, two or three bed houses. Um, You know, there are a few apartments in in Tadley, but it's not a huge market there, which is actually quite nice. Although I'm sure that more will be going up soon, mm-hmm. um, but um, but yeah, something around that. So I'd, I'd say stick to the primary schools um, because you know with the good ones that are nearby, and there's, there's three or four of them, um, you can't really go wrong. And then stick to your family, family, family sort of properties. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know the uh, there. You know if you are a HMO investor, again, it's not potentially a bad location for it. But again, because of the AWE, um, so you know, and, and the property plots there and sizes do generally lend themselves for extension, um, and you can you know uh, enlarge. In, in the property to, to to enable that and actually funnily enough the house that i bought was previously a hmo that was was purely just to service the uh, the awe um because again a lot of the contractors when they do come they can you know be on six 12 month contracts and a lot of them don't relocate their families so mm. um so it's also something to keep in mind 
Awesome. Well, Ollie, really appreciate you coming on the episode. You know, it's great to get an idea and hopefully landlords and future landlords have kind of seen the conversation we've had at the beginning there around probably some of the errors you can make by picking yeah. the right or wrong agent sure. or at the same time, the errors you can make if you decide to go and do it your own or not on your own. And we're not saying no landlord should go and self-manage a property, but if you're going to do it yeah. and you're a portfolio landlord, do it as a full-time profession yeah. and become yeah. a professional in it. Don't do it rogue is what we're yeah, absolutely suggesting. and then at the second half it's great to get an idea of you know your business how it's going to flow and tadley as well i mean i'm i'm sold are you sold? yeah i'm sold <laughs> i'm sold I on didn't, know, didn't know much before but yeah i'm gonna go and look for a yeah two-bed terraced house and yeah. Yeah, get investing in it rent it out yeah Happy days. Well, if you are a property investor you want to talk to ollie hawkins and you want him to maybe source you a property or advise in the area and it's a it's a patch that you think you know what i've been looking in the berkshire area something like that sounds ideal i call them kind of um sand pit type investing areas bracknell was that 15 years ago yeah everything around it is going up in price and mm. it's it's holding low the sand is inevitably going to fill up that sand pit at some point and level out yeah. with the areas around it so take advantage while it's empty 100%. and then you know you're going to have the equity in this analogy the sand falling in and making you money which is great so yeah yeah, yeah. thanks ollie thanks, thank you very ollie. much last year really Good appreciate chat. being on I'm flicking through YouTube and through Spotify. I don't think there's a podcast or a video channel on YouTube that landlords can land on where they're not being sold something. I mean, it'd be the first time any estate agents ever asked that question, but why not ask that question to a wider audience? They just have the knowledge there, but they don't seem to share it. You can do different episodes based around someone that wants an exit plan or someone that's just starting their portfolio. The rules change every year. Yeah. But why not just open the floor out and just say, well, is property even the best investment out there? And tax advice is a big thing, especially with everything that's changed, capital gains yeah. tax, and obviously your stamp duty costs that you need to pay and whatnot. People don't realise what they need to prepare for. We build a podcast and we build a YouTube channel, somewhere that landlords can go and they feel they're not being sold to, but they're just getting quality advice.